It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. We got uh, Chris Singleton today talking ball, talking twins at 11.30. Jess Myers on Game 7 and the fishing opener, our buddy, and uh, all kinds of stuff. Write that down, Game Show Friday. What's wrong with Jose Barrios is my question. We'll get to that as well. Royce White? Yes, Royce White ripping Jimmy Butler. We'll get to that in the 9 o'clock hour, but uh, let's start start here. Ding, ding. Dealers trying to dance it out of the corner. Myers in from the line. Sharp angle by Myers. Score! Tyler Myers from the goal line sneaks it past Pecorene and the Winnipeg Jets have a 1-0 lead here in the opening period. Stasty to the front of the net. Stars! Another sharp angle! And Paul Stasty first on the puck jams it from a sharp angle past Pecorene and the Jets have a 2-0 lead. I need a ruling. I need a ruling before we play this next highlight. Yep. I need to hear uh, it. <laughs> I feel like uh, one hockey whisperer. The hockey whisperer. The hockey whisperer. He sees the ice more clearly than you do. Hockey whisperer knows all. Judd knows little. Did you see how controversial this got on Twitter last night when I was credited with this? Well, I don't know if it was controversial. People just, our voices clearly sound alike. They just didn't credit the right I person. Got a tweet. Really? I got a tweet saying, didn't you predict, <laughs> Judd, didn't you predict this? And I, being the upstanding young man that I remain to this day. Not so young. Said, this was Phil Mackey. Well, the hockey whisperer told you, power play goal, P.K. Subban. Ryan Johansson. Back out for Subban. Pass. He scores! That's right. Now, some people are saying, by the way, this is, in my mind right now, this is two for two. The Hockey Whisperer only comes out once in a while, okay? <laughs> once in a while. PK. Six years Like once ago. every five or six years, he comes out, he'll tell you what's going to happen, then goes goes away for a half decade. Yeah. Uh, now, some people are saying that the Hockey Whisperer included a couple clauses that didn't happen, like, over time. <laughs> I don't know why that matters. Let's. Uh, I'd like to hear what he said. Can we roll the tape here? PK Subban... On the power play, mm-hmm. slap shots, or oh, that, that was that's all we have. That's all we have on the clip. Sorry, that's interesting, Dave. Because I there think more there's than more. That? You know, maybe I should play. It. Okay, PK Subban on the power play, mm-hmm. slap shots, or something. Oh, something wow. from. Oh, you're seeing it that clearly. Yeah, something right. from uh, a little ways out. Okay, PK Subban will help put this game away. With his stick in overtime oh. tonight, an overtime game seven win. Oh no! Oh, whisperer. He's still the hockey whisperer, though. Hockey whisperer got greedy 
As Judd doesn't write that down, adding too many clauses to his prediction. Just stop the prediction before the overtime part, and it would have been correct. The prediction, pain for the whisperer. That's still pretty good. It was so close because you got the right player. You got the type of shot. Still pretty good. If you had just stopped with, if you just hadn't seen overtime. This is like when Judd predicts, all right. Hey, hey, don't pick. Dalvin uh -uh. Cook is going to run for at least 50 Mm -hmm. yards. He's going to catch three passes. The Vikings are going to win. Oh, and an official will suffer a heart attack in the middle of the field. Like, are you sure you want to put that last clause on? Do not deflect it towards me. The whisperer had it (laughs) nailed. And then the whisperer went outside his realm of reality somehow and messed up. I feel like write that down leaked into the whisperer's prediction, even though it wasn't an official write that down prediction. It could have just been PK Subban's going to back up his talk, even though they lost. But like he's going to back up his talk and score a goal. But uh, he got, went for the home run when there was really no need to swing for that fence. The funny thing is, yep. after you made or after the whisperer made the prediction, whisperer did say write that down. Oh, really? It's not official, <laughs> but yes, it absolutely snuck in. Wow, I mean, I'm, if he said write that down, I guess. So now, if, is there a separate category for the whisperer, or does it does that go on my? No, I I, I, I won't okay. say that goes on anybody's ledger. It wasn't an official Friday write that down prediction. Okay, so if that had been a write that down, would the whisperer have gotten write that down points, or did the overtime oh, no. prediction sabotage the oh. entire thing? Right, I'll even admit yeah. like the over the overtime. Yeah, so yeah. you wouldn't have gotten for it. sure. You're so close. If you had just shut up quicker, you would have been fine. <laughs> it was like, what's his name in, uh, what's that Twins movie from the mid-90s? Uh, Lou, the first baseman, hits a long fly ball in game 163. It looks like it's going to be a game-winning homer. And then, like, King Griffey Jr. robs it by the foul mm. pole. That's how the whisper well, felt last night. I'm sorry, whisper. Yeah. Uh, kind of a little bit of so, an anticlimactic buzzkill game this. seven last night. Okay, so does this, as as more of a basketball guy and not a hockey guy, because this, this is the one thing that bugs me about last night's game, but the same exact thing uh, tends to, to happen in important baseball playoff games as well. Pecorino was awful last night. He allowed two terrible goals. That that PK, PK Subban shot should have given the Preds a one nothing lead. The two goals that uh, Reno allowed were terrible. They lifted them. After he gave up uh, two goals on seven shots, he was taken out three times in the series. Last night, he lasted 10.07, which is the quickest, quickest exit ever for a goaltender in a game seven. So, it's a quick hook. So, this, what bothers me is it's too bad because that could have been a great game and it wasn't a bad game. But, but once he allowed those two goals, it clearly changed the tone of things. It, it was very Irvin in the uh, Twins playoff game like. Does that does that bother you as a non hockey diehard, or do you just accept it and not care? That well, I much? wish I wish Game Seven was more entertaining, but I understand that not every Game Seven is going to be a double overtime epic. Uh, the question I was going to ask you off of that exact point: How do you know when you're supposed to pull a goalie in that situation in in a do or die game? I mean, one could say so. He definitely allowed two. Awful leaky goals and yeah, the first you know, one was inexcusable. It came from the side sure. of the net and it, it. I don't even know how it got in past. But the, is that like? Stick. Are you are you punishing a guy for like? Are are you determining that? Well, anything is better than him. Let's just put the like. He's not seeing the puck tonight. Okay, let's put the backup in. Or is it just yeah. like you're sort of punishing a guy for having a bad first ten? Minutes? Well, he he's a great goaltender and he's probably going to win the Vesna Trophy for being the top goaltender in the league during the course of the season. So there's two. In my opinion, there's at least two things 
that cause you to remove a goaltender. The first thing is if he gets if he gives up goals that aren't his fault. But at some point in time, it's like bringing in a different pitcher. It just sort of stops things. And and you do see if you lift a goaltender who is giving up goals and hasn't been awful, you do see times where the team almost wakes up and starts to come back. The case last night, though, after that second goal, I said, you got to pull him. Because the two goals were, we're not talking about two sort of fluky, ah, those aren't great goals, but we're talking about two awful goals. And the first goal, the shot comes essentially from the goal line to the side. It's at the side of the net, and he is up against the post, but I somehow the puck got through after that second goal. I said to my friend, I said, you got to, to take him out. That had nothing to do with trying to get the team to rally. I think at that point, his confidence is absolutely shot. That was a humble brag by Judd. That, I, all I heard was, I have friends. That whole I'm thing, sitting I just at heard, the bar. Like, I have friends. I'm sitting at the bar with my buddy, <laughs> and I said to, I said to my, my friend, I said, you've got to lift him. You cannot allow. They, these two goals are off the charts terrible. Well, I mean, so, and it's, it's very similar to how a baseball manager would manage, like, like, the one game wild card game, right? Well, yes. a pitcher very much doesn't like have seven. his secondary pitch tonight or Severino. can't locate. Same so, got to get the guy out of there. Now, the difference in baseball is you can run like seven different pitchers out. And in hockey, you're kind of flipping a coin. Well, we're going to pull one of the best goalies in the NHL out of the game and then just hope that the only other goalie on our roster can put a stop to it. He couldn't either. It winds up being four and to he one. He played okay. Right. But he gave up two goals, sure. too, right? I mean, the game yeah. was over after the second goal. My, I, I guess I, I I was hoping that in Nashville mounted, they scored to make it 2-1, to one, and they had some good chances late in the second period, early third period. It looked like they were going to maybe tie it up. It was just a buzzkill when Winnipeg goes on the power play and immediately scores their fourth goal. It's like, oh, come on. Like, we don't even get yeah, a 3-2, like, furious. It would have been fun to see a pulled goalie for two minutes down one yep. and just see, like, a furious... Home ice rally, but uh, credit to Winnipeg. I was disappointed, though. I, I was. I really wanted the one thing you don't want is fluky goals. You yeah. don't want bad goals. And so, if that game had, had played out the way that it should have, the whisper would have been right in the sense that the Subban, Subban goal would, would have given the Predators a one zip lead. And if the Jets come back and win two to one in a good game, that's fine. But when you have a goaltender uh, basically sieve out that quickly, it's disappointing to me. Ding, ding. Here's the next pitch. This is lifted high. It's hit deep down the left field side. It is out of here. Ian Kinsler, second home run of the season, a two-run shot, 2 nothing Angels. Here's the 1-1, and this is hit high, and it is hit deep, and it is way out of here. Well, Upton is on a home run tear right now. Three games in a row. That's number nine this season for him. Three nothing Angels. Okay, what is wrong with Jose Barrios, and why can't he throw a breaking ball you, anymore? You tell me. It's super weird. Did you see? He threw a pitch. Yes. I can't remember if it was the Kinsler homer. He threw a pitch mid eighties, like eighty four, eighty five miles an hour last night. That did nothing. It mm-hmm. just like floated over the plate. Got hammered. There was one inning where he gave up. It was the Kinsler home. It was the the multi run inning uh, where the wheels came off, and he gave up like four or five hits 
that all came off the bat 100-plus miles per hour. Yeah, he got absolutely so hammered last night. So, uh, yeah, once again, this I've, guy right here wrong, crowning him an ace three though. weeks ago. I don't get this. That three, three weeks ago, we sat here and said, well, the Twins are really disappointing. This season so far is terrible. But you know what we got? Jose Barrios. Yeah. His first four starts, which were uh, Baltimore, Seattle, White Sox, uh, Cleveland. And the, the Seattle start was not good. 27 and two-thirds innings, 15 hits, five runs, all earned, one walk, 29 strikeouts. One walk and 29 strikeouts. One home run in those four games, a 1.63 ERA, and a batting average against a 155. His last four starts, 18 and a third, 24 hits, 18 runs, all of them earned. He has now walked eight and struck out 11. Yikes. Six home runs, 884 ERA. Opponents batting average in the last four starts, 308. It's weird. I don't yeah, get it. There's, I, I can't tell if he's got some like mental fragility issues or because he was just dialed. Every pitch was dialed. And I get that you're not going to have your best stuff every night, but to go from what he was in the first three games or four games to what he's been lately, uh, I guess it just shows you that maybe he needs a little more time before we crown him an ace. Yeah, I know. Probably but that, our bad. But that Cleveland <laughs> start in Puerto Rico, I was so impressed. Yeah. I thought, okay, there's a ton of pressure. There's friends and family there. It's basically a national game. If he can get past this, he, he's in good shape. He was great in that game, and he's been, since then, he's lasted four innings, three, six, five and a third last night. Also worth noting, the Angels are really good. The Angels sure. have the best player in baseball, Mike Trout. They've got maybe the most exciting player in baseball, Shohei Otani, Justin. They've got a they got a good lineup. And uh, if you can just come away with two out of four this weekend. You know what I've got now? Go in tonight and tomorrow and then flip a coin against Otani. You know what I've got now? Fernando Mania. That's what I've got. I got a case of Fernando Mania. Did you have it earlier this week? I feel like you were a little bit no, like, more reserved. I'm all in now. What changed? He hasn't pitched. Barrios has been bad. So I gotta have some type over. of well, and and you got the uh, game on Sunday, Otani, Fernando. I, I I've decided this. I feel I've like des- if you weren't on the bandwagon after his last start, if you were Mister Pump, was, Pump the Brakes on the excitement guy, why are you ramping it up I now? I think I was on the bandwagon. I just don't think I was sitting in the front. You were pump right the there? you were Pump the Brakes guy. I felt I was decently. I didn't feel I was negative about it. Was I? If you were on, you were hanging on the back and just kind of. Gliding along, he you was like, excited. "You were." I need to see more, guy. Yeah, is what you were. He hasn't even pitched since that take, so that's fine. I mean, you can well, jump on. I'm I, just saying. I like, do need to see a little bit more, but you know what? I've still got it. I mean, Brios has been bad. I gotta, I gotta have a, a reason to watch. I got a reason to watch on Sunday. I feel like now. Judd's like barreling onto the bandwagon, a couple beers deep. <laughs> Give me the wheel. No, well, that's <laughs> no. This would be the story of my life. Okay. Like, drunk driving? No, no, no. Barreling onto the bandwagon. Oh. <laughs> no, not the drunk driving part. The barreling onto the bandwagon part would be the story of my life. Move over! <laughs> I'm coming in late, Create but I'm on room. the bandwagon. Write that down, predictions, at 10 o'clock. Chris Singleton on Twins and Baseball, uh, 11.30. Doogie with a scoop in the noon hour. Game show Friday. When we come back here, we actually, a week ago, when Myron Medcalf was in here, Myron found... A story about Royce White, who's playing in the Canadian Professional League, mm-hmm. and how he berated the commissioner like in front of an arena crowd full of you know fans. Wow! And so we actually talked about Royce White a week ago in your absence last Friday, uh, and then a Twitter follower sent us an interview from a podcast, an Iowa State podcast, where Royce White tees off on Jimmy Butler. Let's get to that when we come back here, Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studio. Mackie and Judd are back. Man, that sounds good. On 1500 ESPN. Jimmy Butler's a young guy killer. 
Um, he's a very um, selfish player in the sense that you know he comes in, take care of his business. He's a very hard worker. Um, can't doubt that. His game has improved tremendously since he when he got in the league. Actually, surprising to me, I never seen a guy coming to the league not able to score the basketball. And now he's one of the more prolific scorers in the league. He's just a bad locker room guy. A lot of outbursts took place throughout the season um, with, with the coaches. Um, with the players and you're trying to build something especially in Chicago and he's going to be your best player he has to be a leader on and off the court and he did a poor example of that and I think that's why the Bulls kind of parted ways with them so that was that was Antoine Walker sometime in the last like year Dave where'd you find that audio that was I believe on an ESPN interview from January of last year okay and that's about so that's about uh, Butler and Hoiberg then after Tibbs left um, yes, I oh, believe that's right. correct. Yeah, I, and I, and there, I don't know if Antoine Antoine might have played with Jimmy like when Jimmy was younger too, but um, but that's like that's one example of someone in the know criticizing Butler's leadership. We found a, a Twitter follower sent us a Royce White interview from CycloneFanatic dot com, so it's like an Iowa State podcast. And uh, and Royce White, who's by the way currently playing in the Canadian Basketball League, which which is what makes this. Do we have a clip of this, or should I just yes. explain? Okay, so it sounds a little bit petty because number one, like Royce White's playing in the Canadian Basketball League, albeit he's shredding it. It's like twenty five nine and six every night. And Jimmy Butler is one of the best players in the world. But uh, the the setup to this is Royce White loves Fred Hoiberg, doesn't know Jimmy personally, but they have mutual friends. And uh, and Royce is mad that anyone would not be able to connect with Fred Hoiberg, and so yeah. And he talked about Jimmy ripping Hoiberg and said, "If I ever you know meet him in public, we're going to have words, et cetera, et cetera." And then got a little bit more into uh, Mr. Butler himself. There's this ambiguity, you know, that that human beings have that's really strange. It's like you couldn't want you couldn't play for a better coach than Fred. Like there is no there is no guy that that you could play for that's that's more lighthearted, that's more understanding, that's more offense-oriented, that's more, um, you know, creating the, the Golden State type of vibe. And the fact that Jimmy had a problem with that, it, it speaks volumes to why the places he's been probably haven't had the Golden State type of vibe, or you could say, you know, Thibodeau, because obviously he likes Thibodeau's style of coaching, which I'm not a critic of. They they. Thibodeau's had winning teams, but they've never won a championship. So, you know, there's all of these factors that go into what's the right style of coaching, what's the right style of play, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, for you to go out and just criticize Fred in that manner, that early in him being there is like, buddy, you know, reel it in. <laughs> reel it in. Like, Interesting. Yeah, that is. When you combine that with, uh, An- with what Antoine Walker said, what do you think? Uh, I think that we are in an era where, where people are far more sensitive than they used to be about things. I think that a guy like Jimmy Butler looks at Hoiberg and l- probably never saw him play and says, well, you were an okay player at best, and I'm becoming a star, and I became a star because of the way partially Tibbs coached me. And and as most teams do, when the Bulls fired Tibbs and hired Fred, Fred is the anti-Tibbs. And so I think what we have here is a problem of people looking at Butler, who is an abrasive human being. Jimmy Butler is abrasive. I mean, Jimmy Butler, after his first Wolves home game, 
when when the Wolves beat the Jazz, stood there, and I told you this, said four times, Ricky ain't coming in here. If yeah. Rubio tries to come in here, stop him. He's not coming. And he was not kidding around. So I think what we're doing is we're operating with guys like Tibbs and certainly Butler, who are throwbacks. I mean, these guys would have been popular and loved in the 70s, the 80s for sure. I love Jimmy Butler into now, the 90s. by the way. Right, but my point being is I think guys like Royce White and and guys who have evolved and changed and see how guys think and act now, look at Butler and say, this guy's an abrasive ass who we don't like. Now, are they right? I don't know that. That's why you need a good cop coach. And Fred Hoiberg's more of a good cop coach than Tom Thibodeau. Tom Thibodeau and Jimmy Butler are like you said this before the show. It's like the it's it's the odd couple, but it's the same person, just different incarnations. One of them is this like this this massive uh, lumpy coach that has his only relationship in life is basketball, and the other is uh, is a young player who's I say young in his twenties relative to Tom Thibodeau. I feel like we're finding out a lot about who Jimmy Butler is, and I still like. For the record, I still I want him on the Wolves. I think he's an incredible player, but I think he's a leader by example through his work ethic, not necessarily a galvanizing leader who brings people and teammates together. And that's fine. You definitely need those type of guys in an organization on a team. You need the guys who pedal and churn, and he's a guy who will churn and churn and work and work and grind. And you need those, but because Tom Thibodeau is so similar. It seems like both of them can only really operate with one type of coworker. You know, like if you're not the same as them, then they, you the, should get you should just get off the island is the way that they treat all of their coworkers. They're both wired not understand why people aren't like them. Like they they don't look at Cat and say, "Well, yeah, you've got a lot of talent here, but I get how you are. You're 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 not us." They look at you and they say, "Why aren't you us?" But but they are, I'm telling you. If you if you put them on the eighty five Celtics, they're fabulous and really popular. But I but I think uh, yes, I possibly. I mean, I still think you'd need a a great ego managing coach in any circumstance. And Tom Thibodeau is not that. Tom Thibodeau's a grinder. Tom Thibodeau should not have the most power of anyone and, in the in and, the NBA. And Butler is a grinder at heart. J- Jimmy Butler has made himself in, into a fantastic player. But if you strip that that away. If you take if you get at Jimmy Butler's persona right now, Jimmy Butler is a blue collar, hard hard working player who has not been handed a thing and has turned himself into a superstar through hard work. And because he did that, he looks at players and say and says to himself, probably mistakenly so, you can do the same. Yeah, and I don't it's possible that Fred Hoiberg is a weak NBA leader. He might just be a great college basketball coach or a front office guy. So I'm not even saying that Royce White is correct in I mean, Royce White's opinion is if you don't think Fred Hoiberg is a great coach, then you're an idiot. Well, I mean, Royce White has a lot of... You could look at him and say, well, there's a lot of questionable I, things about your yeah. character. and yep. um, But what I don't like about the Timberwolves' current setup is with Tom Thibodeau and Jimmy Butler handcuffed together, it's like they think they can just clone their personality 15 times, and then once they do that, well, we got one in Taj. We got one in Derek. Yep. And if we can just clone it 15 times, now we have a roster full. But that's not how the NBA operates. That's not how the world operates. Look at the most successful rosters in the NBA right now. Let's look at Houston, for example. James Harden, a little bit more of a, of a laid-back, aloof-type personality and player. Chris Paul, the most abrasive alpha dog maybe in the NBA. And then you've got these other random dudes like Gerald Green, who's kind of a space cadet. 
and uh, and has bounced around to eight or nine different teams. And and Trevor Ariza, who has this championship credibility from eight years ago with the Lakers, but you've got all these different different types of personalities, and and it works because Mike D'Antoni right. is great at bringing them and, all together. And, Tom Thibodeau is not, and they're all allowed to be themselves. Chris Paul and Jimmy Butler are very similar in their demeanors, and I mean they're different players, but if. Mike D'Antoni can get Chris Paul to work with James Harden and and credit to the front office too and to work with all these peripheral players and have yes. it and have it connect well and Clint Capella this young star big man that's a credit to Mike D'Antoni and it's definitely an indictment on Tom Thibodeau. I'm not even going to indict like if Jimmy Butler's a bad locker room guy it's only because no, a coach is empowering him to have full authority over 14 guys. This is the problem though. The reason why the reason why the fear is, and it might be mistaken, that Wiggins is going to go somewhere else and be successful, is because you keep coming back to who who's going to get the most from him here, because Butler and Tibbs are going are going to continue to look and say, what the hell are you doing? Why why don't you get it? And Butler's way of of conveying that is to go out and work as hard as possible, and it is hard. It is difficult. I'm sure. When when you were a late first-round pick, when you were a good player coming in, and you morphed yourself into a star player. And so you look at these young guys who came into the league with more talent than you probably, and you say, if you work as hard as I did, you're going to be a superstar. <laughs> and these guys don't see that. they So the Wiggins factor that scares you if you're if you're the Wolves and potentially trading him is does he go to a I don't know a Houston a San Antonio does he go to a team where somebody says Andrew we want you to be you we need you to do more here but we also know how how to get the most from you because Butler and Tibbs way is to say just watch us work well it's not working and that's not going to work no yeah I I think I'm finding out more about Tom Thibodeau through all this than Jim like Jimmy Butler Jimmy Butler is Jimmy Butler give him the oars he's going to row like not to take a PJ Fleck uh, ism here, but like he is a boat rower. He's not the guy who looks at the thirty thousand foot view. Okay, oh. where are we going here? But you need those guys. Tom Thibodeau needs to be that thirty thousand foot guy. Instead, he's also a rower, but like he's in charge of the direction of the boat. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's it's I was wrong two years ago. I was wrong. I don't. I still if if they keep it all together, I still think they get to the playoffs. They might even win a series. But their upside is but severely capped but it's by the be, current leadership structure and style that's in place. But it's going to be always grinding and hard work, and it's never, it's never going, it's never going to seem fun. And th- this is where, where I think you run into a problem long term with Cat here as well, because I think he's going to look, look around the league. I'm sure he's got friends, and he probably looks at teams and environments and situations and says. Yeah. Why can you guys do that and everything that we do and everything on the court and off with that team seems to be a grind. We take calls on this. If you have thoughts, do you do you question the leadership at either of Jimmy Butler or Tom Thibodeau after hearing Antoine Walker and Royce White up in the Canadian Basketball League where he's like maybe the best player. He's like 26, 9, and 6, but grain of salt with what Royce White's saying. But interesting when you hear this perspective on Butler and Tom Thibodeau, 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Also, write that down, predictions, in about a half hour. Let's talk about the best car dealership and service department in the Twin Cities, Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard, where right now you can find a couple of great deals on SUVs. The 2018 RAV4 comes with 
all kinds of new upgrades, safety features, the Entune system, uh, technological upgrades, great gas mileage for an SUV, spaciousness, handling of more of a Camry Corolla. Uh, I've driven these, and uh, like they've, I, we've had RAV4s in our family. They're just outstanding SUVs. There's a reason why they're some of the most popular SUVs in the world right now. You can get into one if you want to lease for three years, $259 a month with no money down. That's uh, that's a pretty incredible deal. If you want a more spacious SUV, the Highlander right now is going for 0% financing 60 months. If you want to jump into that thing and put all the kids in, drive up to the cabin, sports equipment, 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard in LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. It's Mackie and Judd. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. You'll find us most uncooperative. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Jimmy Butler's a young guy killer. Um, he's a very um, selfish player in the sense that, you know, he comes in, takes care of his business. He's a very hard worker. Um, can't doubt that his game has improved tremendously since he, when he got in the league. Actually surprising to me. I've never seen a guy come into the league not able to score the basketball, and now he's one of the more prolific scorers in the league. He's just a bad locker room guy. A lot of outbursts took place throughout the season um, with, with the coaches, um, with the players, and you're trying to build something, especially in Chicago, and he's going to be your best player. He has to be a leader on and off the court, and he did a poor example of that, and I think that's why the Bulls kind of parted ways with them. We'll bring this up. It's radio. We got a call off the air from like random person who knows Glenn Taylor. This is about the fifth time that someone has either emailed I've, over the past couple of years that don't overthink it, guys. I know Glenn Taylor from a past life, and he's a moron. That that's I I've heard that more often. Like people wondering how did Glenn Taylor become a billionaire, and then for twenty five years with the Wolves, like as someone who was smart enough to become a billionaire. Just throw up all over the franchise more I, often than not. I think in Glenn's business life, though, he gets people to run his uh, his franchises who do a very good job. I think the problem, as as I was told with the Wolves, is it's sort of his hobby project, so he's involved a lot, and that's probably a bad thing. It is. I the one thing I'll always go back to that I will never get till the day I die. It's not the fact that he hired David Kahn. It's the fact that a guy who had owned a team in this league for that long and was on executive boards had to go to David Stern for suggestions. Correct. Like that's, that's the one thing I will flag. I will never get that you've been in the NBA for that amount of time and you have to go to the commissioner and say, "Can you give me some names?" Yeah, that's actually what do you think? That's one thing that I really like. Oh, by the way, I need ten seconds to just watch Tiger is, here on seventeen. Dave, we're losing Phil. This he is, just birdied sixteen. Is, this is look at that dude. Lip service completely yeah, right now. You could you could you couldn't throw a Dart from point blank range closer than that one. Oh, uh, you actually could. Eight feet, baby. I mean, he's underneath the, the hole. He'll I, miss the putt. I'm very concerned. This this is Such like. Just sticks it right in, in the there. amount of attention being paid to the Mackey and Judge show uh, right are, now. Are you pretty excited that your guy's going to make the cut and not have anywhere, you know, any chance to actually get to the close to the top? Listen, it's baby steps. Can we talk for just a second about Phil Mickelson's I, I think, attire? I was going to say that very same thing. What is he's, up with this? The last two days, he's been wearing long sleeved, full button up dress shirts. Yeah. And he's. And he's, uh, I believe, in dead last or second to last place out of 160 golfers. Complete meltdown yesterday. Is it bad again today? Yeah, he's he's already double bogeyed a hole. And the um, meltdown on Thursday was the last 
seven holes, six holes. I think he was doing pretty well but, until yeah, that it was time. A stretch a double, and then he just double, double. Completely yeah, went in the toilet. Yeah, because it's eighty-five degrees and he's wearing a long-sleeved button dress shirt, yeah, trying to play professional golf. It breathes. <laughs> it's weird. No, and he's got looks- a stake in the company. He's getting money to wear it. Well, good for him. He's going to have a lot more time this weekend to lounge around at home in that same shirt. But he's my age and he's sort of tubby. And that type of shirt, when when you tuck it in, makes it look worse. Like wear a loose fitting, comfortable collared summer shirt that's short sleeve. Well, you got to tuck it in either way. I mean, that's I know that, but what I'm saying is is when you go with the button-up shirt like he is right now, it makes you look worse. Like he looks tubby. He's playing bad golf. I don't think he There's cares no about, upside here. I don't think he cares about how he looks. I just care that he's plus 8 no, but and can't swing a golf club. I'm trying I'm trying to find the upside in, in what he's doing and I'm sure Dave's right. I'm sure he owns part of the company, but still, it's like Phil, put on a normal shirt. Put on a normal golf shirt. It just looks I I don't like it. This this is the worst sports look I've seen since an NBA teams a couple years back wore long sleeve shirts, jerseys. The the short sleeve, but not yeah, the tank right, right. But the, yes. yes, but I mean this is the dumbest. What's worse? Look. Well, that was actually going to be a question today. Let's ask it now. What's worse, Phil's look or the uh, sleeved NBA jerseys? Well, those man, I got to say Phil's look. Yeah. It's so like at least sleeved NBA jerseys are. They're form fitting, you know. They're I don't like them, but they're sort of like the Under Armour, more form fitting, and and those guys are in, in decent shape, so it looks silly, but <laughs> you don't look like a fat ass, Phil. I mean, Phil looks like me out there. It's just it's I, it's, I don't get it. It's gonna look great when in like three or four holes, and he knows he's not gonna make the cut, and he's just like frustrated. He's gonna roll the sleeves up like the weather guy on TV, like when there's a tornado to watch. <laughs> All right, really digging in roll here. Roll the sleeves up for this part. Barlow, Barlow downstairs. Okay, we got a tornado moving through Anoka County. I gotta roll the sleeves up. Um, okay, back to this uh, this Glenn Taylor point. It's actually one of the things I really like about Mark Coyle at the University of Minnesota. He says we don't need search firms. Like let's let's just go rely on our. Am I like he hasn't used a search firm yet? Right. I'm pretty sure he's just come in. No, and I said, think he's just come. Yeah, we're just going to hire people. Made his own hires. I don't need a search firm to tell me that Les Miles might be available for an interview or that PJ Fleck is a rising star in the MAC. Now, whether it pans out or not, we'll find out. But you're right. The fact that a guy that plugged in for that long, when David Kahn was hired, Glenn Taylor had been an owner for over a decade, and he like shrugs his shoulders and says, "Oh, I don't know." And that doesn't even get to the part where you. Sit down with Con, and you must, and you should say, "This guy is a moron." Yeah, I wouldn't hire you for any reason. I wouldn't hire you to be the assistant ball boy, let alone my president of basketball operations. All right, a quick hypothetical here. Hugh tweets into the show. Would you just yes or no? Would you do this if you were Glenn Taylor? Would you do this? Fire Tibbs and trade Butler to San Antonio for Kawhi Leonard, and then hire a different coach. I would I would do that. So I could do I, so if, I could, if I if I, if so I was, could do that trade. If I was guaranteed to have Kawhi and he would sign an extension, well, if I'm gonna fire, I would trade Butler and Tibbs for Kawhi Leonard and just find a new coach. And if I'm going to fire Tibbs, I'm probably going to trade Butler because he's not he wouldn't want to stay here. Then so yeah yeah if I could Kawhi, and they're both on one year deals basically. If I if I could get if the if the exchange was I could get a happy Kawhi back, yes I would do that. You got to find a coach there that would that would uh, make Kawhi no, want to stay for a long term contract. But the most important thing, though, is not the coach. The most important is president of basketball operations. Well, That's where you got to get that. Both are important. But, like right. Brad Stevens is important. Sure, but if you hire, but if you hire the right executive with the right fundamental ideas of how to build a roster, he's going to hire the right coach. Yeah. Uh, so we're into some reckless speculation early in the show here, baby. Six five one six four six. 
8255. Reckless speculation. Uh, sounds like Dave wants to speculate recklessly on the wild. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, this is your favorite caller. This is anyway. I, I love Dave. <laughs> you, I know you replay my. I, I kill four. I, every time I call, I kill four segments. Right? This is right. So you call, you produce our show. Idiot. I like it. You we produce, produce our show, and then we produce the ride, ride with Roycey. Yeah, it's great. Huh? I said you produce our show, and then we produce yeah. the ride with Roycey. It's great. Hey, but it, uh, real briefly, I, I wasn't going to talk. I, I'm not a big basketball fan, but I'm I'm the casualest basketball fan in the world. But I knew not to hire Thibodeau based on his shit. The guy's an ogre. He's a loser. He's a moron. At the very least, Glenn Taylor should talk to Carl, Carl Anthony Towns. Like, can you play for this guy? Or are you going to split? And if he says no, fire him immediately. But anyway, I wanted to ask Judd. Uh, I got two wild trades. I, I, want, I want your opinion of them. Okay. The first one's just a one for one. It's, and then I got a blockbuster. How about Charlie Coyle? For Jacob Silverberg, they're both the same age, same money, same position, same numbers. Yes, they I like. Both, yes, they both need just a change of scenery. Yes, I, yes, yes, I like that idea. Now here's the blockbuster. Yep. Hold on you know, a I second. I, I, didn't know, I, I, was, I was arguing with you about Eric reckless Stahl. speculation. Stahl for, if, if you're going to trade Eric Stahl, you got to get a young, proven NHL player. Very now, this guy's really young. I don't know if Toronto would trade this guy, but I know he's in the he's in Babcock's doghouse right now. He was a number one draft choice. He's 22 years old. He scored 60 points. Both both he scored 20 goals and 40 assists in his first two years. 60 points each year. Yeah. How about Eric Stahl? And hopefully Brodeen, but I would throw Spurgeon in if they demand Spurgeon. I don't want to trade him, but they need a, they'd they probably want Spur. How about Eric Stahl and Spurgeon? Yep. For William Nylander. Oh, yeah. He's 22. See, I don't know if Toronto would trade him. Yeah, I don't think they William would, but Nylander I like him. William and like this uh, guy named Kasperi Kapanen, who's uh, yeah. he's like a second-round draft choice. He's like 22 years old. He's going to be a good player, too. Do you think Toronto would do that? Oh, I... Reckless speculation. Dave, I, I don't know if they would trade... Nylander, I don't know if Brodine Stahl would get the deal done. Uh, Stahl, Spurgeon would have to tempt him, right? Yeah, because Spurgeon's great, and they need a right-handed offensive defenseman. Yes, I would. I would give that if I was um, the, the new Wild GM, which I'm guessing is going to be Paul Fenton, named in the next couple days. I would give that serious consideration. If if the Maple Leafs would move Nylander, I think I would do yeah. that. See, Nylander's the key. I really like he's 20, him. He's 21 years old. Oh, he's know? a hell of a player. Now, 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 this is a brief story. You know, guys, you guys are worried. About, I'm worried about your ratings. You know, as I mentioned last call. Yes, I appreciate Any, that. Anyway, I, I, about a oh, about a month ago, I ran into a nephew of a buddy of mine. And he's a sports fan. And he was taught. He's in college right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, he's telling me they, they on Friday mornings they were having this drinking game, which they had to give up because they were just getting blasted. A drinking game based on the radio show, not oh. your show. Yeah, your a di- competitor. Oh yeah. No. Can I can I can I tell the name and stuff? Do you, do you care? I mean, I think we know who you're talking I don't, about. I don't yeah. care. Go ahead. Paul Paul, Paul Allen on, sure. on Fridays. He's got this. He's got another idiot on. I like Paul Allen, but Paul Charchian's an idiot. He's a multimillionaire, but he's an idiot. He's very rich, yes. And every literally every other sentence he start when he's on that show, he either ends it or begins a sentence with Paul. Like we know we know of Charchian. We know Paul Allen's name is Paul. It's just sickening to listen. I can't listen to it. You know what though? Anyway, hey, that shows to... on the level where people are doing drinking games for it. We've got some. Yeah. We've got some work to put. Exactly in. right. <laughs> no, no, they're they're taking a shot every time he says Paul. Yep. Oh boy. 
and they were just getting blasted. Well, I think <laughs> we need to develop a Mackie and Judd drinking game. While they started doing like every fifth, I mean, in a half hour, I'm literally in a half hour, we'd say it 20 times. So anyway, I made, I made a suggestion, and they're going to try it coming up here now. Yeah. It's with you, Mr. Mackey. Oh, boy. <laughs> Bring it on. I, 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 they, they just want to get a light buzz. And there's one word you say that really annoys me. <laughs> but you say it because you want to look really smart and sophisticated. That's and probably true. <laughs> What's the word? Every, the word is infrastructure. Okay. You just can't say they got a good organization or good players around player X. See, Dave, I knew the big words would confuse you and make you so feel small. You say infrastructure now, you're, you're, you're going to be contributing to the alcoholism, future alcoholism of America. So a Mackie anyway, drinking game? I'm jealous. You know what's funny? Like, that infrastructure in Dave's world is like a condescending <laughs> big word. Yeah, and hey, my point I is... It says a lot about where Dave, what Dave's background, maybe. I don't know. Uh, hey, oh, before I go, I, I did hear... Uh, See, I only listen to you guys from like nine to ten in the morning, and then I listen if you got nanny on, because that's all I can listen. I can't, that's all I can stand. It's okay, we stop throwing fastballs after ten fifteen anyway, so you're good. But, but anyway, I, uh, and I know like three people that like your show. I mean, that they listen to your show. Yeah, and they all hate Judd. <laughs> Hi, Judd. But anyway, one of one of my buddies called me up, and they told me after my last epic phone call that you replayed the phone call mm-hmm. in the twelve thirty hour, and, you, and then you called me an idiot. But like like I said. I'm your best caller. I kill four segments every time I call. You probably won't play this call because it's more, more uh, it's not as good. But anyway, thanks for listening. Hey, Dave. Hate your show. Hey, Dave. You're a yeah. moron. Right on, brother. I, I dig it. <laughs> I get the game, man. I get the game. All right. See you, Bye, Dave. Dave. Oh, that was very, that was really interesting. I loved. I that, think Dave is going the, in a lot of different directions. Dave right there, might be the call. more the most mood swingiest caller that we have too, because sometimes he's apoplectic yeah. and and like shrieking mad at us. Sometimes he's bouncing off the wall, and sometimes he's just. Sometimes it's just like the good old backhanded compliments. Is infrastructure really like uh, an offensively do you use it try hard word? I, it's it's in my it's for sure in my vernacular. I'm sorry. There. Oh, is vernacular too big too? Sorry. It's not one that I've pegged as you use a lot. It's no culture, put it like that. No. I, mean, I miss culture. Well, we should bring that back at I, some point. I like the culture talk. Mark, we'll get to you, too. It's Reckless Speculation Friday here. 651-646-8255. Please listen carefully. Mackie and Judd now continue. Let's go, people. Let's get it going. On 1500 ESPN. Walk around Lake Minnetonka in support of finding answers to rare brain and spinal cord injuries. Head out to Excelsior Brewing Saturday, May 19th for the Walk, Talk, Connect 5K, benefiting Courage County Rehabilitations Center. Start at the brewery, walk the trails, then end back at Excelsior Brewing for a post-race party complete with live music raffles and a Walk, Talk, Connect beer on tap crafted just for this event. For details and to register, head to 1500ESPN.com. Keyword, events. Reckless speculation. The show's already off the rails. We've got reckless speculation. We've got Mackie and Judd and competitor drinking games. Yep. we got Caller Dave, who usually just hate listens and reams us out in a shrieking voice, calling in to be sort of buddy-buddy, but not fully buddy-buddy, like wants to make sure that he's, we know that he still hates us. He ran serious wild trades past us, but then ended his call by ripping you and saying he's got three friends who listen to us but hate me. I really I love, can't figure out what that call was about, but I really enjoyed it. I really love the infrastructure of today's show, gentlemen. How about the culture? Not sure about the culture. Here's my point. Six five one six four six eight two five five. Hey Mark. 
Hey, guys. Um, I was originally calling to talk about Glenn Taylor, but it's always actually been my wish to follow up Dave. But now after listening to that, that was so measured, even when I thought he was going to erupt, he was so measured and even insulting you guys that I, know. I, I don't have anything to respond to that. But Yeah, we were, um, we were definitely both like on edge ready for the the haymaker, and it never came. It was like Dave stood in the ring with us and kind of flinched at us a few times, and we we weren't sure if he was going to throw a punch, and he did, and he just walked out of the ring. Dave's in our heads right now. I was so excited because usually I want to follow up that call with just berating just how mad he is at something, not even the point that he's mad at, but just Mm -hmm. how mad he is at something. Not today. No. (laughs) Anyways, not worried about your guys' ratings. Um, You should, though. Golick and Wingo, I love Mike Golick, but whenever he starts a sentence with listen, as if we're not listening to him already over the radio, (laughs) that's that's a good drinking game right there. You know what? We should open Um, this up. This should just be a theme throughout the show. If you have nitpicks about anyone on 1500 ESPN, like the 651-646-8255, Roycey, Such, oh, us, Reavers, sure. us. Yeah. It can be, it. It, can be vet, it can be 1500 ESPN <laughs> vet line. I like this. This is great. We should almost just do like an hour a day of this. This is great. Yeah, I'd, I'd be all for that. Um, <laughs> but anyways, uh, so Glenn Taylor. And I've been thinking about we We hammer hard on Tom Thibodeau and... His uh, roster construction, being you know president of basketball operations, being the coach. Hot take alert! I actually think I would prefer Tom Thibodeau as the president of basketball operations and not the coach. But hmm. anyways, yeah. Well, uh, the, the, well, president of basketball ops is the guy who brought Jimmy Butler, and then the coach is the one that probably didn't mold the roster the way that other coaches would. So, it, just from that measurement alone, I agree with you, Mark. But Dave, Dave. Do you or Dave, wow, look at you, Mark? Do Get you a hold of yourself? Do you think I'm falling apart Whoa. here? I'm falling apart here, Mark. Uh, <laughs> do you think that Tom has the ability though to take the step back if he just had the executive job and and build this? Because he always seems to me, personality wise, to be a guy who wants to win instantly and doesn't really look at young players as assets. And so my fear w- would be that he would remain in the same mentality which is i'm trying to win right now and it's like no in that job you're trying to win right now but you're also building you know a five-year plan a three-year plan things like that oh absolutely i think um and this may not be true but like i feel like the zach levine trade he looked at that and knew that zach levine being injured could not help him this year so he was okay with doing that i honestly think he was okay with that because he wanted to win this year and now it's kind of backfiring on us. Yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, I think, uh, back to my original point about Glenn Taylor, I think w- when when we heard the stuff about him in that trade, you know, not being allowed to include Andrew Wiggins or even float the idea, I just think that is just completely messed up on so many levels. You bring a guy in like Tom Thibodeau who has these two jo- jobs to operate the team, you need to take a step back as an owner and let him do that. Even if people are criticizing what Tom Thibodeau is doing in both jobs, you still need to step back and do that. And my thought is, like, I don't want him to do something like what uh, Donald Sterling did to get him kicked out as an owner, but I need something similar like that to happen so that we can uh, get a new owner in here. <laughs> we need to, we need to fra- frame com- him in some way. Mark, thanks debacle. for the call, man. Mark, yeah. Mark is, I like Mark. He always brings a bunch of good points when he calls in. Yeah, it's, it's a really helpless feeling when you're a fan and you know that 
the owner is like the owner is the one that keeps making the bad decisions. Like at least in the case of let's say the Vikings. So you could definitely nitpick Ziggy Wilf. There's like he's a he's a bad public speaker and there's like things that you could make fun of Ziggy. He's got a mustache that's kind of weird and whatever, right? But like Ziggy Wilf pumps money. Ziggy Wilf is never afraid to make a big splash for Jared Allen, for Brett Favre. And and he'll and they'll cut bait on hey Leslie Frazier, it was a wrong decision. You're gone after three years. Brad Childress, it was a good run, you're gone. Um, but you never feel like Ziggy Wilf and Mark Wilf are the ones that are shipwrecking the Vikings if they're having a bad season. You feel like, oh, maybe they need to make a change at coach or something. Sure. Uh, or even the Twins, like, for a long time, I think Jim Polad, he's not anywhere near the level of, like, Glenn Taylor incompetence. He was just, like, so passive in terms of curiosity and willingness to think outside the box and hire people from different organizations. But once they finally navigated to that, Thad Levine, Derek Falvey, well, now they're hiring all well, kinds of people from different organizations. They, they used a search firm that actually, in that case, it worked. I think the key is is being wise enough to know what you don't know and to listen to people. And Glenn always just seems to, and has for a long, long time, for the most part, gets himself caught in these messes. I don't, as as I said before to you, I don't understand how you own a team in the NBA for that long and go to the commissioner and say, you got any ideas? Yeah. Like, I don't understand how that happens. Yeah. Well, they can't, t- I mean, it's it's not a lost cause with Tom Thibodeau by any means. Like, first of all, they just had a successful season. This is a huge offseason. They, they're, I mean, this offseason is going to determine not only what they do on the court for this upcoming year, can they fix three-point issues, can they fix uh, depth, but it'll lay the groundwork for who's part of this thing for five years. So he can definitely make some tweaks, Tom Thibodeau, to redeem himself. And we should give him, he's going to be around, so we should give him that opportunity here the next couple I think months. the problem is they're, they're going to try to make tweaks that are going to take them right into the teeth of Golden State and Houston, and that's the problem. Because can you beat those teams next season? My opinion is no. Yeah. My opinion is you can be good, but I, but I think to actually think that you can beat those teams is a large, large leap of faith. Write that down, predictions and accountability session coming up. We have a scoop with Doogie in the noon hour. We're going to catch up with our friend Chris Singleton on Twins and Baseball uh, at 1130. But Judd has a word for prime mortgage lending first. I do indeed. And if you are considering your options when it comes to mortgage companies, I want to suggest my friends at Prime and Kent McCullough. And I want to do it because this isn't about simply selling you on something. Prime wants to earn your trust first. I've been talking about this for weeks, but this is the most important thing. Prime and Kent want to earn your trust first. In fact... They would rather earn your trust than sell you a loan. And you heard that correct. They want your business, but what they want to do is make sure that you're comfortable. And this means that while Prime would love to have you as a client, what they want to do, they want to sit down, meet with you first. They want to explain their plan. And then after that, the decision is up to you. And that's because this is about a couple of very, very important things when it comes to business, when it comes to sports, when it comes to life. Those things are teamwork and those things are collaboration. That's what Prime is all about. It's what they believe in. And if you're shopping for a mortgage, you can count on Prime to give you sound advice and straight answers. For instance, Prime wants to take some of that mystery out of the mortgage process for you. Did you know Prime may be able to put together a program that can pay your closing costs? Not just include them in your loan, but pay them for you. The website, goprimewithkent.com. Goprimewithkent.com. Goprimewithkent, K-E-N-T.com. I'll write that down as next.